Welcome to Disorderly Dogs, the podcast for dog guardians. If you find yourself in precarious predicaments with your dog, this podcast is for you. I'm a certified professional dog trainer and I take my 10 years of training experience and I share easy to implement dog training advice with an emphasis on kindness and compassion. Welcome. I'm so excited to share more. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another episode of Disorderly Dogs, the podcast. If you are new around here, welcome to the podcast. It's pretty incredible to me that I have made it this far. 226 episodes? That's amazing. So if you're new to the podcast and you just found us, I know it can be a little overwhelming to like go through 200 plus podcast episodes. So on uh, the website, disorderlydogs.com, we have a search function. So if you're looking for a particular episode, maybe you have a reactive dog, maybe you want to hike with your dog more, you can use the search function over at disorderlydogs.com to direct you to the episode that you need to listen to. If you have been listening to this podcast since episode numero uno, thanks for being here with me. I love this podcast. It's so much fun. And it's been just such a delight to be able to connect with all you beautiful people who are listening right now. So in today's episode, I want to talk about um, some of the biggest mistakes I see people making when it comes to recall, meaning getting your dog to come when you call them when they are off leash, on a long leash, on a short leash. Um, Recalls have always been a really high level priority for me. Those of you who know me already, you know that um, when I am training a recall, I am training with the objective of that recall working when I am out in the woods, okay? In the woods, there's a very high level of distraction, Deer and elk and moose and bears and mountain lions and porcupines and rabbits and squirrels and foxes and coyotes and dead things and poop and oh my god, (laughs) the woods distraction level is very high. So my perspective on training a recall is coming from there, but if you don't need that high level of a recall, even this is still going to be really useful for you to understand some of the mistakes maybe you've been making. So yeah, when I'm training a recall, that is the level of fluency and distraction that I want this recall to work in. So I am not messing around <laughs> when it comes to training a recall. Those of you who have been on this journey with me, um, you know that Wayland's recall has not always been as strong as I wanted it to be, but these days there's really nothing that I can't call Wayland off of, and that's all of those distractions that I've mentioned. So please know that my perspective is training a very high level of fluency when it comes to recall in very distracting places. So that is the perspective I'm coming from. If you just want your dog to come in from the backyard, this is going to be a breeze for you. But if you're trying to get your dog to come when called in the woods like I am, please know that this you're playing the long game. You were playing the long game. Okay, so I'm going to talk about um, four mistakes the most common mistakes that I see people make when it comes to training recalls and they are in a particular order. Okay. So the biggest, the biggest mistake I see people make when it comes to training a recall is missing foundational steps. Okay. So I think that 
those of you who are kind of savvy and like positive reinforcement and how to utilize it, it seems really easy, right? Like, oh my God, okay, all you got to do is just bring high value treats <laughs> and reinforce the dog a lot and it's going to work. But there is so much more to it than that, especially if you have a dog that like you are training or recall from scratch, like nothing exists yet. They don't really come when you call them. If you were building training or recall from scratch, please do not miss training those foundational steps, okay? Because that is when you see really big gaps in the recall training. Gaps meaning it works sometimes, but it's failing in those times that you really want it to work. So when it comes to training a recall, careful, thoughtful, foundational steps are everything in capital letters, everything. Okay. And I think that it's really easy to think that like training recalls is like you just bring food and you just reinforce them and that's it. But please rest assured that if you want a high level of fluency with a recall and a lot of distracting environments and you are missing foundational steps, it's not going to pan out how you want it to. Okay. So that's definitely the biggest mistake I see people make when it comes to recall is that they're missing those foundational steps. Okay, so you cannot skip steps when it comes to training a recall because your dog is going to be off leash. They're going to be far from you. There's going to be a high level of distraction. And that is definitely when you will see the recalls failing. Okay, and I'm not immune from this. Right. So I think that early on, I definitely missed some foundational steps when it came to Waylon's recall training. And you best believe your girl went back and started from scratch and made sure that those foundational steps weren't missing. And everyone, I have a really amazing update to give you. Waylon recalled off of a porcupine recently. So yeah, okay, those foundational steps matter. If you want to get to that, they matter. If you are not familiar with Wayland and Porcupines, um, there's an episode entitled The Quilling. Give it a listen. Okay, so everyone, that's the biggest mistake I see people make when it comes to recall training is missing foundational steps. The second mistake that I see people make is using aversive training tools, thinking that that is like the quick way to make it happen and to get a recall. So if you have been listening to the podcast, you've hear, you've heard me talk about this a lot. If you are new to the podcast, I want to just fill you in a little bit. There is a giant subset of the training community that will lead you to believe that an e-caller is the only way to get a reliable recall. An e-caller is the only way to get off-leash reliability. First and foremost, that is absolutely not true. And secondly, they don't tell you how hard it's going to be if you start with an e-caller and then you decide you don't want to use the e-collar and you want to try positive reinforcement. Okay. So I have coached so many clients on this because, you know, Joe Schmo or their friend is like, oh my God, all you got to do is buy this e-collar and you could slap it on the dog and give them a zap and it doesn't hurt. Well, yes, it does. Okay. The dogs get to decide what hurts or doesn't hurt. And I will warn you that If you try using an e-collar for recall, you are digging yourself a very deep hole that is going to be hard to get out of later. Because if your dog starts to learn that if they run off and you use the e-collar as a consequence, they are going to learn that you are the problem, that coming near you elicts that stimulus. And I wish... 
that it wasn't so. I wish e-collars didn't exist and I didn't have to warn you about this, but if you think that the e-collar is a quick fix and you're going to get your recall training, please know that it's going to be very, very temporary and then you're going to have a really, really hard time if you decide you want to train a recall using positive reinforcement. So I never promote the use of using e-collars ever because they're abusive, they're completely unnecessary. But if you are going to use an e-collar, you're going to have to continue to use the e-collar or you're not going to get the same result. It's going to be contingent on the e-collar and that's not even a guarantee. Okay, so I just want to be upfront and honest with you all. So that is the second mistake I see people make when it comes to recall training. They are looking for a quick fix and they use aversives, which is the e-collar. And it is, one, the dog is never the same. And two, not all dogs can come back from that. And not all dogs can learn to come when called without an e-collar. So don't even go there. Just don't. Okay. The third biggest mistake I see people make when it comes to recall training is overusing their recall cue. Okay. And I'm sure you all can envision, right? Like the person whose dog is off leash and they're charging at you and they're yelling, fluffy come, fluffy come, fluffy come, fluffy come. And fluffy is like not listening at all. So one, I know none of you are those people. I know that about you already, but two, overusing your recall cue is going to decrease the response time, okay? So I am a big advocate for talking to your dog, talking your dogs through things, but when it comes to recalls and the precision and the fluency that I am looking for, I am not talking a lot. I am not overusing cues because what starts to happen is you start to become background noise and what you have to say loses relevance. Okay. So if you're in a situation where you feel like, oh my God, she's talking about me. I have been overusing my recall cue. Um, my suggestion would be to you to be is twofold. One, I would train a brand new recall cue that you haven't overused. And two, I would make a very conscientious effort not to overuse that recall cue because you don't have to train a third recall cue. Okay? (laughs) So overuse is a big issue when it comes to recalling, right? You can't be calling your dog like every 30 seconds and expecting it to work because your dog is going to get frustrated and be like, Uh, yo, I'm trying to like live my life here. Could you please stop calling me? Okay, so overuse is a big issue. If you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you've heard me talk about this a lot with Wayland, right? And y'all, I am human. I am capable of overusing recall cues just like you are. But that is something that when I went back and I retrained Wayland's recall, I think he was maybe like a year old when I did that. I retrained his recall. I have not overused it since then. I have been very consistent with not overusing it. And I think that that has been a huge contributing factor to where we are now, which is basically Waylon's recall fit doesn't really fail, right? And obviously he's a dog and a living, breathing, emotional creature, and maybe it will fail at some point in the future, but it is not failing at this point, okay? He recalled off a porcupine, y'all, which is everything I needed it to be, okay? So the 
Fourth biggest mistake I see people come uh, make when it comes to training a recall is not understanding how a reinforcement history works. So I think it's really important for all of you to understand that positive reinforcement is beautiful. And for a lot of behaviors, using a reinforcer after a desirable behavior, you can start to see that work right away, right? Like simple behaviors, you can teach your dog in no time, they're amazing. And that's beautiful. And that's why we love positive reinforcement. But when we were talking about recalls that we want to work in really distracting environments with a really high level of precision, a short reinforcement history, meaning they've gotten a few reinforcements for recall in the past, is not going to be enough. You need a very long, strong reinforcement history when it comes to training a recall. And, you know, I think that something that I've kind of reflected on recently, so for everyone who doesn't know, Waylon is five and a half years old right now, and he basically has been getting reinforced for coming when called for basically five years, right? So five years. I mean, that's just millions of high-value food reinforcements, (laughs) millions at this point, and that takes time to build. Waylon is the type of dog who loves me. We have a great relationship, but recall is never something I got for free ever, right? It was never like he was really quick to listen to me or respond to his name. No way. The environment, whatever else was going on was always way more exciting than what I had to say. So for him, for us, that five years of reinforcement history, I feel like we finally have reached the the long, strong reinforcement history that we needed. And it's not that Waylon's recall never worked before, because it did a ton. I should give myself a little bit more credit for how well his recall worked. But again, my perspective on this is I want to be able to call Waylon off of whatever wildlife there is. No I don't want to say no matter what, but basically no matter what. That is the level of fluency I want in a recall. And for us as a team, I really feel like it took several years to build that reinforcement history. And no joke, that's with like weekly training. Every week, basically of Waylon's entire existence with us, there has been a reinforcement history for coming when called. Okay? Not all dogs are that hard to train a recall. It depends on the dog. It depends what you want from your dog. Some dogs give you a recall for free. If you have a dog who gives you a recall for free, I want you to revel in it because your next dog might not be like that. (laughs) Okay? So those are the biggest mistakes I see people make when it comes to recall training. Obviously, the biggest mistake is missing foundational steps. The second mistake is thinking that an e-collar is going to be a quick fix. Spoiler alert, it is not. The third is overuse. And the fourth is not enough reinforcement history. So if you're listening to this and you're like, okay, Rachel, cool. Thanks for telling me all of my mistakes, except for what should I do now? We have created a guide that gives you step-by-step instructions to ensure that you do not miss foundational steps, you do not use aversives, you do not overuse, and you make sure that you have a long, strong reinforcement history. 
Okay, so if you are interested in training recalls to a very high level of frequency, maybe you want your dog to come in the woods, maybe you want your dog to come at the dog park, maybe you want your dog to just come in from the backyard, maybe your dog is bolting out the front door and you want them to come back from that. Trustworthy Recalls is going to give you literally step-by-step instructions to ensure that you are getting the high level of fluency in a recall that you are after. You can invest in trustworthy recalls. There will be a link in the show notes. I want to invite you to join us inside of trustworthy recalls. It has been really glorious <laughs> for me to see Waylon's recall just blossom so beautifully by following the exact training protocol that I give you inside of trustworthy recalls. In addition to the step-by-step instructions into training a verbal recall. We also give you step-by-step instructions if you wanted to use a whistle in place of a verbal cue. Verbal cue being whale and come or a whistle, right? So we've got you covered. We've got both of those inside of trustworthy recalls. If you love adventuring with your dog, you love hiking, um, and maybe there are some other skills that you feel like you need. Maybe they're on leash sometimes. Maybe they're pulling on leash. Um, maybe they are having a hard time keeping their cool on the paddle board. Adventure Dog Academy is another way that we can support you. And inside of Adventure Dog Academy, you get trustworthy recalls as an added bonus. Okay, so if you are struggling to get your dog to come when called, if you are struggling to get your dog to do what you want them to do on adventures, we literally have guides just for you. So everyone, I hope that this was a helpful episode. Um, And if you need training support, join us inside of Trustworthy Recalls or inside of Adventure Dog Academy. Everyone, I love this podcast so much. Thank you for listening. Um, Smooch those puppies for me. Have a beautiful weekend. And I am already looking forward to the next episode. Thanks for tuning in. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you need help with your dog's behavior, you can learn more about our training services at agoodfeelingdogtraining.com. We post training inspiration and training tips almost daily over on the Instagram at agoodfeeling underscore N-C-O. If you like this podcast, we would be so grateful if you could share it with a friend or family member who could benefit from all of the information. Um, It's been a total delight. We love this podcast so much. And thank you so much for listening to Disorderly Dogs.